Welcome back to God Loves Kids TV. Today, Pastor Phil takes you through the 12th part of his ongoing message, A Perfect Father, Known by God. We pray Holy Spirit prepares you for today's message so that you may be taught by the Word and use the knowledge that you've received to better your walk with the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Phil. You See, I'm, I'm working on a new discipleship series. I'm not telling you the title because titles can't be copyrighted, uh, but I'm working on a new discipleship series, and this all this material that I'm dealing with in this Perfect Father series is what's going to go in the discipleship series. And it's so phenomenal to understand the power of being known by God because you're not a mistake. You're not lost somewhere. You don't have to, you know, people talk about being used by God. And in some sense, we represent God and, and we want to, to advance his kingdom and we want to be a part of the program, if you will. But I never woke up any morning of the, of the years that my children lived at home. I never woke up once thinking, what are my kids going to do for me today? It was not a thought in my mind. What, what are my children going to do for me today? What are they going to do to advance my program? Uh, and yet we put so much emphasis on being used by, I want to be used by God. I want to be, I want to be something special in the kingdom of God. I want, to, I want to have a big mailing list, or I want to have a television ministry, or I want to pastor a big church, or I want to be a great missionary. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things if our motivations are correct. But the bottom line is that God is more interested in what you become as a person than what you do for him. He's more interested in how you reflect him and his image because out of your reflection of him, out of you being conformed to the nature and image of Christ is where true ministry comes from. So Paul stresses the fact that we are chosen by God and that should blow our minds. And, you know, I remember the bumper stickers that came out many years ago that said, I found it. Meaning that they found Jesus. I, I found it. I found Jesus. Uh, you know, I was looking for Jesus and, and there he was under the pillow. You know, I found it. I found it. I found it. Um, you know, and I understand why we do catch phrases like that. Bottom line is, he found you. And guess what? You were never lost to him. He knew exactly where you were at all times. His presence surrounds his people as the hills surround Jerusalem at all times. He is the ever-present God in our lives. Even when you think he's not there. Even when he's not speaking to you. Even when he, you think he's distant. He is there and he is intimately acquainted with you. Every molecule of your DNA, God is there. And he knows you. He knows every aspect of you. So there's a sense that, that yes, we come into relationship with God and we come to this, this uh, epiphany, if you will, that God is real and that Jesus Christ is the way unto salvation. And we receive this free gift of salvation. 
But the term seeker is a misnomer. They call me the seeker. You know, again, it's a catchphrase. You know, we're we're a seeker-sensitive church. I understand what they're trying to communicate, and I'm I'm nothing against that as long as the presentation is eventually the reality of the gospel that God's a perfect Father and that He's provided a way into salvation, and He's the only way into salvation. You know, if you water it down so far that you don't have any presentation of the gospel, then you're no longer a church. So it doesn't matter how seeker-sensitive you are. So I understand the idea of, of learning how to communicate for reception's sake. You know, I want people to receive what we have to say. Honey, honey, look at, look at this. Uh, and, and I know what it's like to want to repackage something, to, to use different words and to explore different ways of communication. There's nothing wrong with that. But the, the bottom line is, is that the minute amount of effort we might put in to finding the truth of God is so small, so minuscule, so uh, uh, it's not even worthy of talking about. The fact is, is that he is consistently and constantly reaching out to us. He is drawing us by his spirit into his presence. He's doing everything he can to lift the blinders off your eyes. And he knows that moment where those blinders will be fully lifted and you're going to move closer into relationship with him that you'll become a son. So what's the difference between to know God or to be known by God in our relationship with, with God was solely based on how well we knew God, then we would have little hope of ever seeing real change in our life. You know, if it's all about how well we know God and how much we pray and how much we read our Bibles uh, and all those disciplines are good things. Prayer, having a conversation with God on a regular basis, that is a good thing. Reading the Word, listening to the Word, uh, watching the Word presented in video form. I don't care how you get the Word, just fall in love with the Word. You know, that's a good thing. Those are good things. Hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. But, but real and radical change comes not because we do these things, but because God knows us, and he's operational in our lives. And so Job 36.26 gives us a perfect example of this. Behold, God is great, and we do not know him nor can the number of his years be discovered. And when we transition from Job, then we look at, at the psalmist David. And, and David, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Because David is trying to express verbally, and, and he's not doing, a, 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 he's doing maybe a better job than I'm doing, but we're both struggling here to, to talk about the value of being known by God. Uh, it, it's always a struggle because it, it, there's such a richness in Scripture and there's so many verses that deal with God knowing us. And yet, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon preached in church in all my life, except for me, 
and, and I'm not saying I'm special because there are books and there are other, other people who have, who have preached this, but I personally never heard it about being known by God. And so David says in Psalms 139, verse 1 through 6, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Psalms 139. David is saying right here in this scripture that it blows his mind how well God knows him. He, I mean, he's totally blown away by how well God knows him. Uh, and, and when we look at this scripture, we look at this word search. You have searched me. That, that's a Hebrew word, shakar. It means to investigate or examine thoroughly. So the word, and the word known is yada, which originates from the root word to know, and it speaks of a deep personal awareness or understanding. So we are to search out and investigate each, you know, the people that God has placed in our lives to do what? To gain a deep awareness or understanding of who they are personally. You know, what, what is going on inside of them? You know, it's not, it's not that you're being nosy, but you're taking the time to understand what makes somebody tick. Now, I will say this, that you cannot do that with every single person that comes into your hemisphere. Just because somebody walks into your life, all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine doesn't mean they're your friend. It doesn't mean that they're supposed to be a disciple. doesn't mean that you're supposed to, to always reach out to every single person that enters in your life. You have to be sensitive to know what God's will is for you to invest in the people that walk into your life, that are in your life. I, my, my children, I, I used to teach them on, on friendship, that, that you don't know who a friend is until they make it through some stuff with you. You know, that a friendship is born in adversity. That, okay, when I go through some junk and my friend's still there, they're a friend. But until I go through some junk, I don't know if they're a friend or not. Until they go through some junk and you stay and you keep in their, in their life and you're blessing them, you, you, you know them, you're unconditionally accepting them. You're unconditionally loving them. You're working to meet their needs. That's how you prove you're a friend. That's how you prove you're a mentor. That's how you prove that you're discipling them is that you stay. Okay? Well, you know, that's not everybody who, who enters the sphere of your consciousness. You have to know that God has brought that person in your life to invest in. And so, but God is investing in all of us. He's our perfect father. So as at a human level, I, I'm limited. I can only invest in so many people. But God can invest in all of us. He knows us all uniquely and individually. So with my children, they came up with this term. I came home uh, from a youth event one day and said, Dad, guess what? We met some fries. 
And I thought, what? You got some McDonald's fries given to you at youth group? No, no, no. We met some fries. That's our new word for potential friends. You know, we like hanging out with them. They're fun to be with. We, we had a good time talking to them. We're not sure that they're friends yet. They're potential friends, but they haven't proven themselves yet. And so my children started using the term fry. You know, I have friends and I have fries. And fries are great to have. It's great to have potential friends. It's great to get to know new people. It's great to be involved in people's lives. But, uh, but that does not necessarily mean that they are going to stick with you when adversity comes. Or that you're supposed to stick with them. And so you have to, but in order to know that, once that person comes into your sphere, you have to start gaining a knowledge of who they are, what makes this person tick. And so in understanding that, you understand that this is crucial to our human relationships. Again, we are a channel of God's behavior on the earth. Yes, God doesn't wake up every morning saying, how am I going to use my kids? Part of the reason he doesn't have to do that is because the job assignment is the same for all of us. We experience God in these specific ways. And then we're supposed to be the moon, if you will. His light shines upon us and we reflect it to those around us. We are the channel of the Spirit of God on the earth. And we represent him. And much of his ministry on the earth is us simply acting out what he's done in our life. And it helps to act it out once you know exactly what it looks like. See, that's the point of this whole thing. The, having these eight things that, that we define as, as the blessing and the discipleship program of God uh, that... that God blesses us and then he disciplines us. And that's what makes us sons. Because without discipline, we're as bastard sons and daughters. We don't belong. So we have to have discipline. And what does discipline look like? It looks like training, deals with our will. Looks like teaching, deals with our mind. It looks like correction. If we go off, off the, the, the path one way or the other, God brings us back onto the path one way or the other. He uses correction in our life. And it looks like reward. He's going to hold out a, a benefit for doing the things that require discipline. We don't perform to gain sonship. We perform to gain rewards. Because obedience, you know, we don't obey to be sons. We're sons and therefore it, it, obedience is generated out of that respect. You know, there was a lot of trouble I could have gotten into as a young person that I did not. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Simply for one reason. I had such a high level of respect for my parents, I didn't want to embarrass them. I didn't want to cause my parents pain or grief because I respected them. I still got into trouble. I still did some stupid things. Stupid is stupid does, Miss Blue. I guess. But I could, it could have been exponentially so much more. There were so many times that I wanted to do something or I, I was tempted to do something. And I thought, you know, if I were caught doing that, it would bring shame to our family. And so I didn't do it. 
I didn't do it. Why? I had a, a deep level of respect for my parents and my parents represented God in my life. So, so when we come to this place where we're gaining a knowledge of one another. Y'all know me, know how I earn a living. We're stepping into a place of, of representing God in each other's life. We, we're representing the power of God. We talked about the, the, the process of blessing, setting the stage for true change, and then adding onto that process of blessing, the verbal affirmation are prophetic words of blessing. And when you combine the process of blessing and you combine the, the affirmation, the verbal affirmation and the prophetic affirmation of blessing in someone's life, you can eliminate 80 to 90% of all unproductive behavior before it happens. You, you, it is life changing. You can truly, when you're meeting that need, that deep need that, that, you know, Jacob's looking back to the past saying, uh, you know, my whole life has been built on getting this blessing. I got it. And it didn't satisfy me because it didn't have a supernatural sovereign ordained order to it. It wasn't given to me by God. I stole it. So now I'm still looking back here. And then he, he's wrestling with Jesus. And he said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And the Bible said he blessed him there. And, and when he blessed him there, then there was a spoken thing over him. You're no longer Jacob. I'm going to fundamentally change the dynamic of your life. You're no longer Jacob. You are Israel. His whole concept was changed, as we talked about earlier in the series. His whole life was changed. He became content in who he was. He became content in what he had. And he became God-focused, not material-focused. God-focused not self-directed. So God's directing his life. God's ordaining his footsteps. God's directing his paths. He's reached that place where he has a yes heart toward God. He's willing to submit to God immediately, to say yes to God's plan immediately, to follow in obedience without question. No, but now he's got a limp to do it. He experienced a dramatic supernatural experience in his life and it changed him dramatically. But it also let him know that God knew him. He knew where he was. He knew his name. He had changed his name. And so when we have this going on and we have it operational in our lives, we need to know our children. We need to, we need to search them out. We need to know their motivations, their fears. As I teach when... When I get back from, I may do this in Nepal, but as I teach, when I get back from Nepal, we're going to look at personality types. I've got a unique take on personality types, uh, and it, but it helps us to understand one another. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? It's a powerful tool. And so the next time we come together, that's what we're going to be looking at as we work to come to know one another. It's important to, you know, you. You don't really need a test. The way I do personality types, most of us can can uh, very quickly spot the type of personality someone is. 
and it helps us to minister to them. It helps them to receive from us if we understand those personality types. Uh, and yet so many times personality types has been used as an excuse for negative behavior. And we don't allow that to happen in the way we teach it. So stay tuned, come back, and we're going to be looking at knowing one another, searching one another out, having a deep yada knowledge of one another. We'll, we'll look at some additional concept of how God knows us and our identity in Christ Jesus because it's crucial that you understand that our, our world is defining themselves in so many ugly, perverted ways. They're literate, but, but when, you, when you say that, then you step back and you realize that, that there's a hue and cry for identity. Who am I? What defines me? What makes me special? What makes me unique? What makes me me? And what God is saying is to him, you are unique. You are special. You are known as an individual who is valuable. You're so valuable that he sent his son to die on the cross and he would have sent his son to die on the cross for just you if you were the only one. We hope you enjoyed part 12 of this ongoing ministry from Pastor Phil, a perfect father, known by God. God Loves Kids is an international ministry dedicated to helping the neediest children in the world find hope for a new beginning and a brighter story. If you enjoyed this message, please leave us a comment below. We'd love to hear from you. To stand with us in our ongoing missions in Uganda, Utila, and Nepal, please click the links below. Or you can help us by liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel, GLKTV. Make sure you share these videos with your friends so that this message can reach everyone you know. Until next time, this is Randy Capes with God Loves Kids reminding you to love everyone you can. Amen.